Welcome back to the podcast, you guys. You are in for a treat today. I have Corinne Crabtree on the podcast today. She's lost over a hundred pounds. She does a lot of the same work that I do, coaching women. And you're going to get to hear, you know, about her journey and how she lost the hundred pounds, what she helps women with, and a lot of what we're going to be talking about is not necessarily a specific diet plan or exercise plan, but the mindset that is so necessary and truly just the magic bullet for success in this kind of journey. So let's dig in with Corinne Crabtree. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. And, you know, it's so fun to connect with somebody that I, it's always this weird thing because I'm like, unfortunately, we're connecting through like kind of some trauma around food and our body and all these past issues that we've had that were absolute hell to, to live with and to work through. But I also instantly feel connected to you because I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like me. We get each other, right? (laughs) (laughs) It is nice. I tell people all the time, connection is like, that's what humans want anyway. And even if we're connecting over pain, I mean, it's just, especially like in weight loss and eating disorders and stuff, we often feel so alone. It's like... Uh, oasis in the desert when yes. you uh, come upon someone who really gets what you're going through, who's yeah. like saying the things that's like, oh, I thought that myself. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, totally. So, so yeah, I'm so excited to have this conversation because now we're both on the other side of it where we coach women and we help women. And so I want you to share, I of course know your story some, and and you're probably going to share things that I don't know, but will you share with the audience kind of your story and what that looked like and, you know, how you ended up coaching other women now and and exactly what you're doing now. And we can share some of that at the end with like how people can connect with you and what you offer. But what's, what's the story? So when I was a kid, we, my, I'm originally from Alabama. I live in Nashville, Tennessee now, but at eight years old, my parents, my mom was 17 when she had me, they got married thinking, you know, he was, my daddy was 16. They had to back in the day. And yeah. so, uh, by the time I was eight, they realized that just wasn't going to work out. <laughs> and so my mom moved us to Nashville. And prior to that, we were really poor. Like my mom, um, I love my dad, but he was just not there financially, emotionally, or anything, especially at that age. And so my mom wanted to get us out of that environment and move in with our grandparents. But because we were so poor, um, you know, we didn't get to eat very often. Like it was a real thing for us. So there's a lot of food scarcity in my early years. When we moved to Nashville with my grandparents, my grandmother had a really good job. My grandfather was retired from the Ford Motor Company Mm -hmm. and they fed us all the time. Like it was, um, you know, like I remember eating hamburgers for breakfast. My grandfather was like, what do you want? And if we wanted a hamburger, we got a hamburger. Like they were just so happy to have us. Yeah. I gained a lot of weight. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. Yes. And never looked back. Like it was my brother never gained any. He was like naturally thin, but I did. And I was bullied through school really mm. bad. Um, by the time I was in high school, I started suffering from depression. I was mm. still battling my weight. I would lose a little, go up a little, like my mom and I'd go to Weight Watchers. Yeah. And, you know, we would do all the things and it just wasn't getting any better. By the time mm. I was 17, I was severely depressed. I um, attempted suicide. Uh, just 
rock bottomed out there. Then, um, through my twenties, just battled depression and battled my weight. So uh, I was on medication and I was going to therapy and stuff, but I think a lot of my weight was, I really had no other way to figure out how to cope with things. So I was just eating a lot, traveled a lot. Yes. Numbing. And I've had a job that was on the road for a restaurant Mm. company. So you know, like I had everything around me that set me up to battle my weight and, and numb out with food. Like it was a religion. (laughs) So I met my husband at this company and, um, he's just a great person. My, my husband is very, uh, optimistic by nature, Mm -hmm. just a problem solver. Doesn't have a lot of drama. Like I was the drama person. Like everything's terrible at every second, you know, (laughs) and we get married and I have a little boy and he was about a year old and I was over 250 pounds and just so exhausted. Like I was going through depression again. I was so overweight that I just, like everything wore me out and he was a high needs baby. And so, um, I broke down one day and just realized that I was so tired at 10 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't even play with my own child anymore. And I didn't want to be that person. I, you know, my mom, when she raised me, she was legit tired. She was working two and three jobs. Yeah, She would come home exhausted. And I was sitting there going, you don't even have a job. You're just sitting here not loving your life and eating it away. And I knew Mm. that I was at another crossroads. I could either take the road that I did at 17 or I was going to have to get my shit together. So I looked at my husband that night, bawling my eyes out. And I was like, I'm going to figure out how to lose this weight. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. And I, for the first time in my life, I didn't think about all the times that I had failed. Like it came up. But I kept telling myself, you know, that's the old you. The old you Mm. always talked terribly to herself. And she always thinks about what she can't do. We just got to get through today. So what can you do today? I love that. Yeah. You're like building a new identity, focusing on, I just was talking to somebody else about this, building a new identity, like of the future you, focusing on that and focusing on the solution instead of the problem. And that, that little pivot in mindset changes everything. Changes it changed everything, everything for me. Cause it was the first time that I ever tried to lose weight where I didn't go hire a trainer. I didn't join the gym. Mm-hmm. I, well, I did join the Y to go walk because yeah. my son wouldn't walk outside. And when you're in Tennessee in the summer, <laughs> you don't it, walk yeah. outside. <laughs> so, but I, uh, I was just making small changes. Like, and that's where it starts, small changes. That's all I did the whole time. So that was, that's my story. And then I, once I lost the weight, I was for the first time I had had this identity shift. I had turned Mm -hmm. into someone who liked themselves, not because I'd lost weight, but because I was celebrating things I was doing on the way down. And I remember tucking my shirt in one day and looking at my husband, because I hadn't tucked my shirt in forever. And I just said, I feel so good about myself and Mm. most women don't, and I know they don't. And so I looked at him as like, I'm going to help women lose weight because not many women feel really good about themselves. And I want them to do it in a way where they get to feel good about themselves. So I want to stop you real quick because you just said everything. So every, you lost over a hundred pounds, right? Mm -hmm. That's 
I mean, insanely amazing and just huge props for that. But the thing that you just said, so everyone listening is probably like, what diet plan did she do? What workout did she do? Did she stop eating carbs? You know, like Mm -hmm. that's where we all turn. And what you just said was you shifted your mindset. You built slowly and organically because you didn't really know what you were doing at the time. You built a new identity. You celebrated what you were accomplishing. And it truly, that 100-pound weight loss came from these teeny tiny like microscopic shifts every day of just choosing things that were better than what you were choosing before. It didn't come from the outside things that we think we're going to sign up for or buy that are going to change everything. Right. That's like mind blowing. Well, and like people always ask me, what'd you do? And I'm like, it's so boring. No one would want to know. (laughs) Like when I tell people, they're like, oh yeah, that wouldn't work for me. Because we're so used to being told we have to cut out the cars. We have to do basically to lose weight. We are taught that we have to be miserable to do so. Yes. And the way that I teach my people is I'm not going to make you do miserable things. What's going to make you miserable is like when you have a shitty mindset, like when you're sitting there thinking, well, that's not good enough. I coach my people all the time on this. Like I was just one simple thing that I did was, um, I would leave a little bit of food behind. Yes, Like I'd serve whatever I wanted, but I was like, all right, I know that if I'm going to lose weight, I have to revoke and burn my clean plate club card. Yes. <laughs> that yes. just can't happen. You know, yeah. like, it just made intellectual sense yeah. that if I always cleaned my plate, I probably always have a weight problem because I'm always going to get served in restaurants or yeah. myself or from family more food than what my body's going to need. Yeah. So I would leave a little bit of food behind, but I mean, every time I did for a while, it'd be like, Oh my God, you're yes. wasting it. Oh my God, you know you paid money for that. Like yeah. my brain would freak out. Yeah. And I, the hard part was overriding that and learning yes. how to make sense of all of that. It wasn't like two bites in and of itself is not hard. Right. What's hard is the mental drama around it. And when yes. I fixed that part, you know, I was like, yeah, what I did to lose weight people snooze at and they always think like, it's not enough. It's like, but it is, you know, what's not good enough doing the same shit over and over again. That feels miserable to the point that you quit because you can't sustain it. That's not good enough anymore. I'm like, let's redefine what not good enough really is. Yes. And what I, what I think about, and I've been thinking a lot about that this week is a lot of times, especially in in my world with fitness and wellness and all that, and what you do, it's like, we think about working out, well, we might not want to do it or do it, but we think about working out every day. We think about the nutrition plan. We think about the amount of carbohydrates, all the things that we're talking about, but we don't put that much daily work into changing how our brain works. Like you're talking about, like the hard thing was the overriding the old behavior. And when we can change our brain, everything changes. Yes. When we can change those, like how we think about things, everything changes. When we change how we think about ourselves, everything changes. But how much time do we spend every day working on our brain and our mindset? 
That's not we're... enough. Ever. Not enough. Yes. <laughs> no, I tell my clients all the time. I'm like, y'all quit asking everybody, like, what'd you eat today? Yeah. It's like, yeah. ask them, what did you think today yes. that got yes. you up and made, yes. and like, you decided to make a plan that had you leave food behind? Like, ask them about what they're thinking about because yes. that's the difference between the two of you. Yes. It has nothing to do about what goes on a, on the piece of paper. Yes. Yes. I couldn't agree more. I woke up in a really crappy mindset today. I got totally stressed out, totally overwhelmed. And like my morning process that's supposed to like bring me to this magical state, actually like, because I was looking at the day's to-do list, I was mm -hmm. like so overwhelmed and anxiety ridden. And I was like, I was turning on the shower this morning and I was like, stop. Like you're talking about override the thought. I was like, yeah. what am I doing? Like I need to go spend 20 minutes getting my mind right mm -hmm. more than I need to do the 85 things I think I need to do. I need to go get my mind right or none of this stuff's going to go my way today. You know? That is the truth. And like I, I, so a lot of times I tell my clients, like if you're feeling like highly activated, if you're agitated and stuff, I was talking to them earlier, we we're getting ready to do a challenge and stuff. And I was like, y'all, I don't want you setting no goals that the second you set the goal, you eat immediately can feel yeah. waves of panic over your body. Like yeah. it triggers, yeah. I can't do it. And all this other stuff. It's like, take a breath. Like when you're in those highly activated states, like just breathe for one minute and then just ask yourself, what's actually going on in this moment because yes. our brain runs away like a freight train yes. and you, you got to like breathe to get the train to stop for a moment. Yep. And then when the train stops, then you can at least get some clarity yeah. around yeah, what's happening. You can control where the train goes from yes. stop. You can't control the, where the train's going when it's going a million miles an hour. I had a friend of mine that was a coach and she used to say, she used to talk about a car on a hill in San Francisco. She's like, that car's flying down the hill already where you are. Like you've got no, your willpower, your, you got no control. It's, it's done. She's yeah. like, you gotta, you gotta wait to when the car is back at the top of the hill before it started. And then you can slow it down. Then you can direct it. And I'm like, God, it's such a great analogy. Yeah. I love that. So you lost the weight. It took you how long? 18 months to lose my okay. weight. Love that. Cause super healthy time frame to do that, but super yeah. amazing. I mean, a hundred pounds in 18 months is next level. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it was so funny when I was doing it, I tell people that, that people always want to like, would well, you set out the first day to do it? And I was like, no, the first day I set out to not feel miserable. Like, right. choose <laughs> like joy. I had, yes. I had, choose joy. Yes. I was like, I had no weight loss goals. I didn't even like, until I got to 175, yeah. did I even set my goal weight? Like wow. up until that point, I set a lot of behavior goals. Like I, one of the things I did want to become an exerciser, but when I started, I was like 15 minutes a day of walking. I knew yeah. that was the only, that was the only thing that sounded like I would, like I could rationalize yeah. doing otherwise yeah. it would tripwire excuses. But I was yeah. like, all right, every human should be able to get off the couch at the age of 30 and yeah. walk for 15 minutes, you know, barring any kind of major health conditions. Right. I had the only health condition I had was, um, a shitty mindset. Like that was my major health condition <laughs> yeah. at the time. <laughs> so. Yeah. So what you just said, like if people are thinking about how do they apply this to themselves, it's what you just said. When we choose a goal or a behavior that all of a sudden feels like pressure. And even if we're like, God, that seems hard, but I think I can do it. 
not the right goal. Right. right. But the, uh, the right goal is like, I can drink a little bit more water. I can walk for 15 minutes every day. We have to feel if, if the behavior is ever going to stick, we have to feel like it is completely doable. It's just going to take some intention and maybe a little planning to get that 15 minute walk in every day. Yeah. I always tell people when it comes to like behavior goals, there's a couple of ways to hack it to kind of figure out if you're on the right track. One is if you say it and all of a sudden all your excuses already are coming in the door, you got to notch it down. Like you, you know, our brains, they avalanche thoughts at us and you Mm want to get it to the point to where you, you set a goal or a behavior goal to where if you heard your, your usual excuses, the goal has enough rationale behind it to where you could rationalize doing it anyway. Right. Because that's the real trick is learning how to do things when you don't want to. And yes. even if the goal is very small, it's like I always tell people, break it down to a level to where your brain can bitch and moan. Yes. And you can be like, but we're going to do it anyway because yeah. it's not as bad as you think. But if right. it's just sky high, your rational brain won't even get into the conversation. Every excuse you come up with will feel as true as the sun rises in the morning. Right, right. Well, and think about it. We set our goals and we do this stuff when we're like highly motivated and full of excitement or we're at our like end point where, you know, that that turning point where we're like, I'm going to do something different. Like I'm going to change this once and for all. And how many times have we all said that? Right. Well, you might be motivated in that moment to work out with a trainer for an hour every day, but sure as hell, you're not going to be motivated four days later when you're exhausted and your kid's sick and the weather's crappy. And so like what's doable on your worst day? I think that's a, a great kind of little test too. Like what's doable on my worst day? And something else is like, cause what you were just talking about is we usually set, we, we make plans, we set goals, we do things. And I do encourage my members to do this. I want you to do it from your best self. Like, like I want yeah. you to do it when your best self is there. But the yes. problem that we run into is the best self is thinking about if everything goes perfect and yeah. I'm excited right now, it's like your best self's job is to put their mindset into your tired ass mm. defeated self's mindset. Yes. And you plan from there. It's like best self says, well, I know you could do this on that day when, you know, the toddler has made poop art all over the wall <laughs> and the cat vomited right next to it on that day, oh. you'd still do it. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. I love that so much. Um, you, you shared something, just a little teeny tiny nugget. Cause w- right before we hit record, we're like, we could talk about a million different things. Right. And you said one little thing that I was like, I want to hear all about that. So this kind of little teaching that you give about the, the thought that, but it tastes so good. But if I tell myself I can't have it, you know, I'm never going to be able to taste that again or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's, it's such a diet mentality, right? But what you have like five steps, right? To kind of work through that or a few steps. Can you share yeah. that? Because yeah. I'm like, I want to hear that. <laughs> so the way that I teach um, people to lose weight is like, so I have no good food, bad food mentality policies inside uh, like Love. with my stuff. It's like food is just food. Mm-hmm. And when we get it to where we're not putting our moral compass yeah. contingent upon what we put in our mouth. Yeah. It, isn't al- that crazy? Like, let's talk about that for a second. We demonize food 
And I'm like, no, no, no. Murder and adultery, you should feel bad about. Right. You shouldn't feel the same way about five Oreos or a sleeve of Oreos. It's crazy that we think we put that in the same bucket as like, I'm a horrible person. I should be, I feel ashamed. I mean, you and I have dealt, I know a lot with shame around eating issues. And it's insane that we can feel an emotion heavy as shame around what we're putting in our mouth. It's crazy. Well, and it's so important because I, you know, one thing I like to make sure people understand is like, it is not your fault that you're ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. Like yes. we have been taught that in society, society. Yeah. our parents, our poor mothers, they were like, they were always taught that they just handed us down what they learned. It's not yes. like our moms were, you know, like I'm determined to give you an eating disorder and make <laughs> right. sure that you have fear around food the rest of your life. My goal as a mom, they just acted the way they acted, but we spend too much mental energy and thinking that we're broken around it rather than just being like, you know what? That's what I was taught. It makes sense that I would think it. Yeah. And moving on. Let me just, yeah. And like, let's just be aware of when we're doing it and reminding ourselves, like, especially when it comes to weight loss, I tell people all the time, the problem isn't what we eat most of the time. Like if you first and foremost, gain authority over your emotional life. Mm-hmm. You gain a lot of authority over your food life. Mm-hmm. Like I tell people, you know, like I love chips. I love all the things, but when I was depressed, I needed them to feel good. Yeah. As I did not know how to feel good on my own. I did not know how to stop the bleeding on my self-loathing and stuff. When I fixed all of that, I started realizing I didn't need chips all the time. Yeah. I started including chips when I would really enjoy them, yes, not yes. when I was having a bad day and eating them to escape the bad day yes. because I'd never enjoyed chips. And I would tell myself I did, but I didn't, there was not a single time that I would, I always tell people this, you really enjoy food when you finish and you still feel good about yourself. Yeah. That's enjoying oh, food. Oh, that's powerful. That is so powerful. So that's, like, I'm, yeah. I want my people to like, to eat foods that they enjoy and yeah. learn how to include them when it's going to matter. Also how to not include them when they really need to be looking inside and solving an internal problem and not yeah. be distracted by the food. Yeah. So, which means in order to lose weight, you are often in our world, you're going to be eating foods that trigger, like, I can't stop. It tastes so good. I always overeat this. So I have six things that I tell people to do. Like the first thing is in order to overcome the version of you that feels like they can't eat those foods, you have to actually start eating them and trigger the thoughts. Like we got to just go face down and be like, all right, here we are. We're going to eat to allow them. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 not just allow them in this test, right? You're not saying allow it this one time so you can have the thought come up and figure out how to handle it. You're saying allow yourself. Like if I'm eating a hot fudge sundae tonight and I think I'm never going to be able to do this on this new diet plan. So I better get it in while I can. Well, then it's never going to work. You have to give yourself freedom forever to be able to enjoy those foods. Yes. So like the first thing we got to do is just eat it. And then we have to, the second step is we have to normalize 
that our brain offers all of its usual stuff. Like it's very normal to start including foods that you've restricted or only ever ate thinking like, just like you said, if the only time you ever eat a hot fudge Sunday is when you are like starting a new diet and telling yourself you're never, you're, you're never going to get to have it again. Yeah. I call that last supper eating. Yes. (laughs) How many last suppers have we had? No shit. (laughs) I tell people all the time, it would be normal that when you're going to eat it, on a plan for all of these thoughts to come up. Yeah. So we want the, we want to make sure that we never make our normal. Um, I would just call it our hard thinking our like, Oh, this tastes too good. I'll never be able to stop thinking. We never want to make that like a bastard. Like we right. want to invite it in because it is normal to have your old I thinking come along for the ride while you're becoming someone new. Yeah. The third thing, and I think this is really important for people who are trying to create like food safety, like redefine it is you got to settle your nerves. So it's like, have your hot fudge Sunday. You sit there and you listen to all the thoughts. You tell yourself, I knew that all these thoughts were going to come up. That's okay. And I just tell people, settle your nerves, like, Mm. um, breathe. Yeah. Like just smell it and look at it and remind yourself I'm okay. I'm safe. Like this Sunday ain't doing anything to me. (laughs) Yeah. Because I I know for, I'm guessing you have the same thought process when those feelings and when those thoughts come up, right? Like, and there's the freight train going a million miles an hour. We just eat as fast as we can to numb the thought. So we we push the thought away and it's Mm -hmm. like, no, invite the thoughts in, get settled. I, I just love that. Yeah. If you're looking for some more in-depth training on mindset practices and how to create your vision, how to reverse engineer your goals, how to craft your morning process, all of the things that I'm super passionate about, you guys, the Rise Up course is where it's at. It is literally my lifetime, my mind in a course, every single tip, strategy, and hack that you could possibly ask me about is in this course. So jump into the show notes right below and you'll see the link for the Rise Up course and my Rise Up planner, and you guys can rise up with us. Yeah. And then the next step is you're going to ask good questions of yourself. Like, can I just eat it one bite at a time? Mm -hmm. Can I just put the spoon down in between each bite and really savor it? Yeah. You know, like what can I do? And you just ask yourself a lot of really good questions. Like, can I eat? Can I stop? Like I like to remind my people, like most of the time we never ask ourselves when we're eating something that we've always felt like it controlled us or tastes so good. It's just like, ask yourself one, does it taste as good eating it slowly as it does what I've made it out to be in my mind? Sometimes yes, but sometimes by the 10th bite, you realize it doesn't taste the same as bite one. Yeah. Now I'm just eating it. Yeah. And then like a lot of times I like to even ask myself, like, I'll just say like, you know, can I stop? Like, have I had enough? Yeah. You know, I, most of us never even think to ask such simple questions Yep. because if you know, you are now going to start planning these things more regularly when you'll really enjoy them, when you're going to have it intentionally, you're going to savor the bites. You're going to appreciate the version you're becoming that can have foods around them. You might find the desire to scarf it down goes way down. Right. Cause it's like you were saying, most of the time we're scarfing it down to escape our thinking. Yeah, for sure. For or sure. like, I want to eat it fast before I start judging myself. Right. Right. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Yes. 
And then the next step is just the new action. So like, if you ask yourself, can I stop? Can I put it down? Um, can I finish a little bit slower than I normally do? You just do that. Like whatever you feel like you can do, you do it. You start building resilience in yourself. You start building trust and confidence. The more you do things like this and the more you, you act upon what you think you can do, you start gaining momentum and redefining the shift. And then no matter what, at the end, you always have to celebrate. I think that I love that. I was wondering if that was step six. I'm like, I hope she's going to end with celebrate because that's the biggest thing, right? Yeah. It is the biggest because our brains are, um, they want dopamine. Mm -hmm. And so like most of the time we're usually giving our feel good chemicals to ourselves in food because it's fast and efficient. Right. I mean, that is, that's just the way it is. But thing, yeah. when you start teaching your brain that you were going to celebrate and find wins and stuff, your brain is like, Hey, I think I just had a dopamine hit. So yeah. I want to do more prompting yes. and thinking in a way that will get her doing more of that. That's yes. how you start getting your brain to start flipping some scripts. Because if it's, if it's always just like, all right, I'm going to eat this. Okay. Phew, I got through this. I hope the next time I don't fuck it up. Right. You didn't give yourself yeah. any dopamine. You just yeah. gave yourself a big dose of cortisol. Yes. <laughs> it's like your yes. brain's going to be like, don't do that ever again. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this might, it kind of does sound crazy now because I'm so out like far past the recovering from bulimia, but I can remember a huge like growth spot for me was congratulating myself, not because I, I thought I could only congratulate myself if I didn't binge, but yeah. the congratulations had to start when I binged and didn't feel shame about it. Yes. Right? Like when I was able to just detach and move on with my life and not spiral down for days, that was like the biggest thing ever. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't let, yeah, the behavior still happened, but I didn't let it take me down for another three days. I didn't let it control me. I didn't let it continue. I just detached from it and just kept on going with my life and, and ended on that high note versus like, like, you know, wow, that's huge growth. And yeah. then the behavior started to change. We like we uh, as humans are progress individuals. I mean, that is just like our, our as a human, we always want to be seeing ourselves making progress. Yep. And so often women, we've just been taught and conditioned that like we're we're just not taught how to celebrate ourselves. We're not taught how to see no. progress and stuff. And so looking like for a lot of my people, I tell them, I'm like, if you overate and uh, I, my classic example with them is like, if it you were eating a sleeve of Oreos and at the very last Oreo, you were like, I've had enough. Like I can stop now. Then you need to celebrate the crap Absolutely. out of yourself because no matter what happens, there's always something, even if let's say you ate all the Oreos, but at some point you even asked yourself a question, maybe yes. you didn't like follow through on what you wanted, but you at least are noticing that you're starting to question things and stuff. That's another sign of progress. We yes. have to illuminate where we're making progress instead of always just illuminating what's wrong with us. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because like you said, I mean, maybe you just ate the entire sleep of Oreos slower 
right? That's yes. huge progress. But what we're mm-hmm. looking for normally is the only way I'm going to feel good about myself is if I didn't eat a single a single Oreo, right? Like right. success in our brain. And that is asinine. Like that's just yeah. not going to happen. If that's, if that's the only way we're looking for success. I mean, Tony Robbins always says perfection is the lowest standard because it's not possible, right? It's right. not something you should ever shoot for. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, I'm taking notes because I want to refer back to these six steps. Um, what else do you like? What What's the things that your clients, I know you were coaching some of them this morning on some stuff that they really just grab onto that you feel like is just that punch that really helps them. I think a lot of it is going to perfectionism. Many of my clients, like when I look at one of the things that stands out is like the top three probably types of person that I get is like somebody perfectionism almost number one. Yeah. Um, I really help them start seeing let's define what success is now going to look like. So I think it's, if you think about your default, like measuring stick for yourself, it's almost always like, so for example, my clients, I tell them to make a plan every day and like, all right, so this month, what does success look like? Every single day I made a plan. I'm like, okay, can we just slow down for a minute? And so like, right. how many did you do last month? And they're like, you know, right. five. And I'm like, all right, so success this month, what are all the different things that could be planning success? Every day could be one, mm. six over yeah. five from last month could be another one. Uh, planning, like agreeing I will now plan on Saturdays when I normally don't plan it all on the weekends. Yeah, Like re-engineering all the different ways success could look like and letting your brain throw a hissy fit. A perfectionist brain will always be like, that's not good enough. <laughs> I tell people all the time, the moment, like when you make a list of what success could look like, if you've got 10 things where your brain says that's not good enough, you're on the right track. Yeah. yeah. Like that doesn't mean you're doing it. They, they think they're doing it wrong. And I'm like, no, the rest of the world that's not a perfectionist are always trying to figure <laughs> out like all the ways that I can get it done Yeah. so that I can succeed. Right. They're not sitting right. around thinking about what is the one way that's perfect that I must do it. Right. <laughs> or otherwise right. I fail. So we want to think about from perfectionism standpoint, like give yourself lots of ways to succeed. So address your normal definition and then try to come up with 10 more ways that success could look like. And I think that's helpful. I think that's huge. So huge. And so like what I was thinking about when you were saying that too, which I think is so important is to know that that could be different day to day. Like I've said a lot of times, like in regards to what we're talking about right now, success one day might be, not having the hot fudge Sunday because not because it's like, you know, on plan, off plan, but because I, I took a second and I was like, oh, I actually don't want that like at all. Yeah. And actually I'm going to go for a walk and I just need to detach and whatever. So success on a Saturday might be not having the hot fudge Sunday, but guess what Sunday might look like? having the hot fudge Sunday because right. I freaking wanted it. And that's hugely successful because mm-hmm. I actually wanted it. So I had it, I ate it slow. I enjoyed every bite and I celebrated this, this heck out of myself when it was done. So it's like, it's not the outside thing. A lot of times it's like, what does it look like on the inside? Right. Yeah. yeah. I always tell people like, love your reasons. Like 
Mm. Whenever you're making decisions and stuff, just always ask yourself in this moment, what is my reason for doing it? And do I like the reason I tell my clients all the time? Like sometimes people will ask me because I have them plan their food ahead of time just for the day. And I'm like, plan anything that you want to eat. I don't care. I don't care if it's ding dongs and hot dogs, (laughs) but I just want you to write it down so that when you go to the picnic and then suddenly you want Twinkies and hamburgers, you're going to eat ding dongs and hot dogs because that's what you right, plan right. to get used to showing up for yourself. Not yes. because you can't have those, yeah. but most people need to get into the habit of thinking ahead and in, in, intentionally for themselves and liking their reasons behind doing stuff. And so, but sometimes somebody will say like, well, I was um, like a good example is somebody will make a plan and maybe their uh, mom blows in for the, for the day and wasn't expecting mom and mom really wants to go to lunch and you never get the opportunity to go to lunch with your mom. I tell them all the time, if you're going to go out to eat and that wasn't on your plan, but your reasons are, I rarely get to go out with my mom. Yeah. I'm going to look at the menu and I'm going to try to make as good a, a, a selection as I can for myself. I'm going to eat intentionally I'm going to be putting my fork down and stuff. Those are things we like, that's what we want out of ourselves. So we're not going to feel bad about switching that plan. But if you're sitting there going like, well, my mom always jacks my plans (laughs) and I have to go now and F this, I'm just eating whatever I want because everything's blowed. Not necessarily reasons and behaviors we want to repeat. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, so it's both people could have done the same thing. I go to the restaurant. I don't eat what I originally planned, but one person is doing it in the version of her that she wants to become. And another one is doing it in the version that she's always showed up as. Oh, so powerful. So powerful because we don't want rigidity, right? We want to be flexible with our food and our nutrition, but we want to show up as the person that we're growing into. Yeah. Yeah. And we always have that choice. Like, I think that's what we don't realize is that what's happening outside of us doesn't negate the ability to show up as who you want to be in any given situation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And even talking about like a plan, because I do a lot of business time management planning with people. And I always say success to me is the fact that you had a plan. Life's going to come every freaking day. We might not follow the plan, but everyone holds their success to, did I follow the plan? And I'm like, no, no, no. The success lies in the fact that you had a framework for the plan and you pivoted around it gracefully, right? And then you come back and you make another plan and you try to execute it. But the success is that you actually had one. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially when it comes to getting stuff done every day. I mean, I just really think that people who make plans... Um, one of the things I was telling my members this morning is, um, one of the things that I know that has worked for me with weight loss and in business is I start every day thinking intentionally about my day. Mm. I don't just show up for my day and be like, what's coming at me food wise or, you know, work wise. I put my best foot forward in my planning. Sometimes I have to pivot. That's okay. But I want to be someone that thinks about their day ahead of time and is always striving to figure out like, what am I going to put in my mouth and what am I going to do with my brain today? That's going to make an impact. Yeah. And if I'm doing that every day, my life has way 
more chances of turning out the way I would like it than if I'm just like every day, like, good luck, Corinne. I hope <laughs> shit doesn't hit the fan. <laughs> you right, know, I mean, right. and I operated like that for so long. And it was yeah. why I stayed so frustrated with life. It's why I blame so much in life. Well, and you're just reacting to what, like you said, what's coming at you. I always say, I think sometimes when I teach time management, people think it's like super type A. And I'm like, no, no, no. When you plan, you're just much more present in whatever you're doing because you've planned it out and you're not thinking about 10 things simultaneously and trying to do it right. all and running around like a chicken with your head cut off, you know? Yes. And so, yeah, I love that. The other thing that I like to call it, I've heard it referred to as this before, is pre-paving your day. Mm-hmm. So when you're kind of looking at your day and you're thinking about, you know, I got this meeting and then I got to go get the kids and then I got to get on this podcast and I got to do this and kind of pre-paving like how you're showing up. It's, I mean, if you're thinking about it like a road, it's like, it's so much smoother than like, oh crap, pothole here, you know, pothole there, speed bump there. And just, you, most of us are just literally driving the road, driving down the road with like traffic coming straight at us, you know, when you can plan it, it's just, it's so much more relaxed. But I think a lot of people are opposed to planning it because they think it's too controlled. And I'm like, no, it's actually the opposite, you know? Well, what's so funny is like, you're the one putting the shit on the plan. Like we always are like, you know, I would just like to be in control over my life. It's like, okay, then make a plan because you're the one putting it on there. People who feel out of control with their lives are the ones who like wake up every day with wishful thinking that nothing's going to get in their way. And it's like, the world is going to be happening. Yeah. You can't slow the world down. (laughs) But if you, I have always found that with food or with my business planning is it allows me to notice when I might not be thinking about things that might be coming at me on a routine basis that I keep thinking are, you know, big ass obstacles. It's like, okay, if something keeps repeatedly happening, that's called, you need to plan for that. Like that's no longer, you know, just a surprise or a shock and awe every day. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, I don't know how we've gone this much time already. I just looked at the clock. I was like, what? What in the world? <laughs> um, so much valuable stuff. So I want everyone to hear kind of your offerings and what you have where they can just connect with you and dig in. But before we do that, every once in a while, I do this on a podcast and it's kind of like a little speed round. So kind of um, different questions, but number one, what do you, what would you say, you attribute your success in weight loss to? I mean, I know we've talked about it for this whole past podcast, but what in a nutshell would you say you attribute it to? Just to kind of recap and remind people like this is the important thing. It it literally comes down to every single day I stayed very present on what I could do that day. And for me, and I don't know how many of your listeners um, like have depression. I, I still battle with depression some, um, every day changes and we get really stuck in thinking that every day is supposed to be like a, um, cookie cutter version of the day before, especially in weight loss and dieting, Mm. you know, they give you a 1500 calorie plan and they give you like this one workout schedule you're supposed to follow, but there's a different human that wakes up every single day with different emotions, expectations, your highs and your lows. And for me, it was really important to meet myself where I was each day, not to be trying to meet an idealized version of me every day. And I think that's what made the difference. And it still works to this day. That's how I do it in maintenance. 
uh, it's how I grow my business. I just know there are some days that I'm like, all right, Corinne, saddle up. We got things to do. And I've got the mental bandwidth to do it. And then there's days where I have to look at my schedule and say, this is not one of those days that I should be pushing myself this hard. Like what, like meeting myself where I'm at is like, I've learned how to say no to things. Yeah. But the only reason that I learned to say no was because I decided that every day I'm going to stay present. Mm -hmm. And if you stay present in the day, you get where you want to go. Yeah. Then you only can get there one day at a time. It's not like you can like, do it any faster than that. Yeah. So if yeah. we're not going to be able to go faster than one day at a time, we might as well stay focused on today. So that's my biggest tip, especially for weight loss. We get so that. caught up in where we want to be and you know what I'm going to look like 50 pounds from now and all this other stuff. Yeah. It's like, just think about today, what yes. you can control today. Yes. Oh, I, I mean, I could just go ahead and talk for 20 minutes on that and I'm not going to because it's <laughs> so powerful because everything that we think about when we're thinking about weight and diet and all of that, it's, we're relating it to, you know, I can't have this because, or I want this because I'm not going to have it tomorrow. Or it's, it's all, it's, it's, we're never present. We're never present to just what, how can I show up for myself the best today? And if today was the only day on the whole spectrum, what am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Humans tend to live in tomorrow and yesterday or next year and last year. And it's like, just make decisions for today and you'll be, it'll be so much simpler on yourself. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Love that. Um, is there a person that, who do you admire in your life? Is there a beacon for you on this journey? Well, I've had different people over the course of time. Um, right now, not to sound cheesy, but it's my husband, my husband and I are really close and we're really dear friends. We, you know, we work together now. He works for me, um, after awesome successful career and stuff. And, uh, he's just, I was actually getting coached on this this week. I had a, uh, I took a strength finders test. Yeah. And one of the things that they said that was important for someone who had my unique, you know, things was, um, that you needed a trusted right hand Mm. and confidant. And she was like, do you have that? And I was like, yeah, my husband, I was like, no wonder we fucking get along so well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. That is so cool. I mean, cause I think there's so much power struggle in marriage or especially when the woman is successful, you know, it's a harder dynamic. I think this day and age to navigate. And I see a lot of struggles come up in marriages when the woman's Mm -hmm. success starts to kind of get bigger and bigger. And uh, I just love that. He does sound like a keeper for sure. Yeah. He always says, um, he knew his role in life was to be an amplifier. Like he just, from a young age, he always just felt like, um, he wanted to always be the person who amplified others. And he does that with our son who has autism. I mean, he is just, Chris really is the kind of person that he never is out front and center, but he's Mm -hmm. the one that's like right behind the person who is. And you can just see he is like figuring out how to help you be your best. He's just just a great dude. So right now he's probably the one that I look to for influence the most. I love that. He's the guy behind the curtain, right? He's the great guy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And on that note, I think we all need to seek out and just take a, take a moment to pull back and go, who are those people in my life? Do yeah. I have any of those people in my life? And if you don't, 
you need to go find them. Right. right exactly. It's right. so important. So important. Um, all right. Well, tell my audience, where can they find you? What are you, I know we've talked a lot about how you coach women. I coach women too, but what, how do you do that? Where do you do it? Where can they find you? So my, the, I do mine through a membership. So I have a membership of 12,000 Nobius women. We're called the Nobius weight loss program. I love it. And, uh, we're, we're a lot of fun, a lot of cussing, but <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, like every time I go live with them, I always end sweating. They're like, Dang, yeah, same. I always call it the passion sweat. <laughs> yes. I'm just like, I'm like, give me some water. I'm going to dehydrate. But, uh, you can, I always tell people the best place to find me is to go to nobsfreecourse.com. Yeah. You can get my free course. And awesome. once you get that, you can get introduced to my podcast, losing 100 pounds with Corinne. If you ever want to be a member, that's the best way to do it is to take the free course, then you, you just get opened up to everything. No BS. Like we, I really want, my mission is to teach every woman how to lose her weight for good while feeling as amazing as she deserves. Mm -hmm. And so So for me, if I'm ever going to teach every woman, that means we're going to be having podcasts and free courses along with our membership too. But um, I send out a lot of good stuff. So I'm yeah. always telling people like, good Lord, you should be on that mailing list. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and I will link everything in the show notes below. So people have access to the free course it, it just directly and all of that. Yeah. Um, that is amazing. Is the membership, the community on Facebook or is it a different platform? We have a membership site. We have a private Facebook group that's part yeah. of our membership, but all of our, um, like we have a private member podcast. We have courses. Oh, nice. We have uh, all kinds of things. Like we'll put you together with your, when you were talking about finding your people, yes. like join us. We have an accountability program where we have matchmaker Heidi. Oh, I love it. You and she like that's looks amazing. at what you need and puts you with a posse. So that's um, awesome. Yeah. Very, very, very cool. Well, great. Well, thank you, Corinne, so much for being on here. I mean, yeah. I just want to like go have a girls weekend with you. I think this would be really fun. It would be fun. Yeah, <laughs> I'm coming to Nashville or you can come to Charleston. They're both really fun cities. So exactly. we're not that far apart. Thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and your passion and your heart. It's just been amazing to have you on. Thank you. Wow. (laughs) I love that woman. Oh my gosh. Uh, This is such a gift, this podcast and such a fun conversation to have. I hope you guys took a lot away from it. Make sure if you will to uh, follow us on Spotify or Apple podcast. You guys, everything that we talked about is below in the show notes. So you can grab um, all the links and everything that Corinne has available just below. And thanks for tuning in.